cut that old fay. It happened last month anyway. Hello and welcome back to Beats, Rye, and Types, your favorite show about music, food, programming, other stuff. Um, <laughs> Mostly other stuff. <laughs> Mostly other stuff these days. I'm here with my main man, MRB. What is up, dude? Hello. What is up? What's cracking? You were just here. Yeah, I was. It was awesome. I was just in in Tacoma Park, Maryland, which is a pretty place filled with large trees, which we talked a lot about. <laughs> Good segue. And, uh, yeah. And speaking of trees, you were just brought in by um, one of our all-time favorite artists, Quasimodo um, and Green Power. Uh, off the unseen, which I I was like realizing is a that album is 17 years old. Yo, I have so that? much to say about that album, as you would be like not <laughs> I, I, even I, I, a little bit surprised to know. I have a huge amount to say about it too. It was a very influential album during my my college years. Um, it uh, it came out like right when I was uh, headed uh, to Israel in between uh uh high school and college and it was uh listened to a huge amount i was like a fan of mad lib already but that was just like a (laughs) mind-blowing much like donald trump aaron went on his birthright trip to israel (laughs) uh yeah so it's funny because so i was in college when it came out on my freshman year or in between my freshman and sophomore years Like, it's so funny because, like, perspective, right? Like, in 99, 99, we were already like, yo, hip-hop is dead, like, whatever. It's all so commercial. (laughs) And then, like, the classic era of hip-hop was, like, over. And then the Quasimodo album came out, and it was actually, like, so good and so important that it did, like, it kind of, like, extended the window. We're like, oh, I guess, like, the classic hip-hop era basically, like, ends with the unseen, you know? And then for like a long time, because it's really like it's really it really is like a a classic, like old school, whatever, you know, whatever golden era hip hop album par excellence. What with being produced by the rapper and all that shit. Right. It's just got all the hallmarks, very all sample driven, the craziest samples and shit. Uh, Then like, you know, in the last like five, seven years when like shit has really started to pick up again and like, you know, there's been some really, really super high quality uh, underground or commercial rap music coming out. It makes you realize like, okay, actually like, you know, there was good shit all along. It's just about like, you know, what you end up hearing and when you end up hearing it and and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I fucking love that album. Good choice. I don't know. It's it's like when you first hear it, you're like, what the fuck is this? It's just one of those. Well, yeah, because like, <laughs> people might not know. People might not know. But like Quasimodo, the rapper, quote unquote, on the album is actually like the alter ego of the producer and a rapper named Madlib. And it's just like his voice sped up to like sound like. He like is on like whatever inhaled some fucking whatever the shit is in balloons that makes your voice all <laughs> yeah. high or whatever. And he's just like it. So like you heard about it first. There was some mixtapes and other stuff on the label. Right. Stones throw and Madlib like had a couple songs where like Quasimodo appears and you're like, wait, is that just Madlib with his voice <laughs> sped up? And you're like, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, guess so. Yeah, and then he's like, OK, I guess this is really good. So he puts out a whole album of it. 
And then Mad Lib appears as like a guest rapper on some of the Quasimodo. <laughs> so it's just like it's a very blunted album. Uh, a lot of the songs are about weed and yep. um, hip hop. And, you know, there's like a whole long sequence where he's like imagining like what is it? He's like imagining these like fake concerts that like wouldn't it be cool if like Sun Ra like <laughs> yeah. played this like giant whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just awesome. Like what that album really opened the door from, for me too, was like the idea that, um, not that there hadn't been albums before that, but like it really sparked this idea that hip hop could be like weird in a way that it wasn't necessarily before. Like there were obviously like cool. Keith was weird before Madly was weird probably, but hip hop, I think up until that point, you could argue for for some of it and some of the other albums that came out around that exact same era, like Deltron 3030 was like really stayed in this very, you know, like this is what hip hop is. It's like this formula. And then here's this guy just fucking out of nowhere, like huffing whatever to like make this album. And it just, and it just, it's so weird and opened up the door for a lot of other artists to kind of be weird and do their thing. And I think um, Mad Lib deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I mean, and just in terms of like the sonic palette or whatever, as cliche a term as that is, that the album is made of, like the samples that he sampled from and like extended Last Poet samples and, you know, the Savage Planet samples and, you know, all of this just like whacked out shit. Uh, it's really like, um, it, yeah, out of, yeah, out of control, out of control. There's like a... Yeah, there's some cool shit about the relationship between like Mad Lib at this period and Dilla and then like what Dilla ended up doing in with Donuts and all that shit in that um, Stone's Throw documentary. I'm not sure if we talked about that documentary on our show yet before. We I'm have. sure we have yeah. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, s- still, you should go watch uh, whatever whatever the Stone's Throw documentary is that you can find on Netflix is uh, extremely, uh, extremely dope and worth watching. So anyway, we actually could probably talk half an hour just about Quasimodo and Mad Lib and this era of albums, hip hop albums. But when we were hanging out in D.C. this past weekend, we were like kind of brainstorming about ideas of what to talk about. And we started to kind of riff on um, talking about um, trees or marijuana or weed or the ganja <laughs> or whatever. you go on for a while but and maybe our relationships to it and kind of how that has changed over time and also like kind of the current state of the american legalization efforts and all of that stuff and and how how our our lives fit into it and maybe some funny stories along the way so maybe we could just start with like i don't know like what 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 was what are your earliest weed memories, Michael Bernstein? What, <laughs> what, what, what um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I mean, uh, it was you know around uh, obviously like when I was in high school and stuff. My <laughs> my earliest memories of it, like in terms of like on my own terms in like a social situation, was probably in my friend's like uh, attic bedroom. Um, that he had, uh, like that was a couple blocks away from my house, just really, um, classic kind of like suburban dirtbag status, um, <laughs> like 
we kind of had this like a uh, clubhouse uh, in in uh, Stinky's bedroom, like up in his parents' like house in Oceanside, and I was like a couple blocks away from my house. And the first like the first time that I spent like with it any like serious amount of time with it was like a summer. I think probably like the summer before I went to college. My friend my friend Keith uh, was working as like a bar back at a restaurant and I was working as like a uh I was selling I was a food vendor on a beach like a public beach on Long Island and so I ran like a snack shack I actually like had to cook hot dogs and hamburgers and fry uh like chicken nuggets and french fries and like serve beer and do all of this shit and I ran the shack by myself and it was crazy. And actually, like speaking of stories that you could spend like hours and hours and hours talking about, this place was <laughs> completely out of control and like completely crooked and very like openly run by organized crime. But anyway, <laughs> that summer we would like all work all day and then meet up at night at Matt's house. And Keith had been had a, a situation where he met a guy, yada, yada, yada. Keith was also like installing fucking sound systems in cars. And anyway, this guy would like trade him like nickel bags of weed or um or like 20 bags of weed for like helping him out with various like car things, you know? And so Keith had this like we had this like steady supply because of that. <clears throat> and the best line of the best line was of me and Matt and Keith still say this to each other to this day was like <laughs> At the end of like the transaction, this guy would like, you know, give Keith like a five and like put a couple bags in his hand. Right. And he'd go to Keith every time he'd go, yo, pillows, kid, pillows, <laughs> pillows, kid. And and he was referring to the fact that the bags were like so yeah, overly yeah, yeah. stuffed that like they looked like pillows or whatever. And and actually, like we would always like spend time really marveling like, wow, how how does this guy like shove so much like. <laughs> swaggy ass weed into these like bags so we would like get blunts and like roll them up and you know walk around go to the diner and like listen to a lot of music and that was kind of like the first time that I was like oh okay like I really see the appeal to this right because there's like this natural relationship between certain kinds of music and and getting high you know especially like <laughs> at that point in your life you know your mind is very open and um so those are my that's my first summer like the the pillows kid pillows summer was like my first like real real deep uh exploration um on my part yeah what about you yeah it was i had a i had a very different experience or not that different i guess but different in that I was a city kid. So city kid, uh, weed lifestyle was, was a little different. We had a bunch of dealers in high school and they're all relative degrees of shady. Um, I mean, yeah. we went to like, I went to, you know, a pretty, um, you know, nerdy high school. So there were a lot of, you know, like the, the degree of shadiness you could possibly get to probably wasn't as shady as other people's high schools, but still pretty <laughs> shady. And, uh, yeah, our, my, my friends and I, our experience was always like hanging out on people's roofs. Um, we actually, 
uh, this sounds really dorky saying this out loud in public, <laughs> but we uh, we called ourselves TRC, the roof crew, um, nice. and we uh, <laughs> and TRC used to hang out on all everyone everyone's you know parents' apartment building had a rooftop and rooftops in New York city are, uh, excellent places to smoke weed. Um, and it, the most amazing thing, I, I have a ton of stories about that era too, but the, probably the most amazing thing about smoking weed in New York in high school is like how each of like our parents, like of this crew of guys who I'm still really good friends with all of them, how they each reacted to like our, clear stonedness all the time um and like the uh we had one of one of my friend's parents uh his mom his mom just kind of knew and was just like okay whatever at least you're not like you know smoking cracker or like doing something stupider um my parents like somehow decided to like either uh, willfully or unwillfully remain completely oblivious to everything. And so we would like imagine like six 17 year olds descending from the rooftop of a Brooklyn apartment building coming into this apartment, like just giggling off their asses. And my mom was just there and would just be like, Oh, are you guys hungry? Do you want me to order some pizza? You know, and like we were like, yes, pizza. Like just, <laughs> just, just ordering pizza from Biscotti's, and her being like, oh, you growing boys, you're always so hungry. Like we, and I could, I, I clearly remember my friend Yvonne uh, eating an entire, entire large Biscotti's pizza by himself, um, nice. and like not even noticing it. And my mom was like, how did three people eat two entire two? pizzas she's but like yeah. you growing you growing boys have this musky scent all the time <laughs> yeah exactly and it wasn't until i left for that year in israel after high school my mom like called me on the phone while i was in israel and was like aaron we have to talk i found some things in your closet while i was cleaning up while while you're gone there's a, a small thing and it looks like a pipe for doing the drugs. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, crap. <laughs> I forgot to clean out my closet before I left. Don't throw it out, Mom. Don't throw yeah, it I need out. that. I need that. I'll never um, do that again, but don't throw it yeah, out. Yeah, don't throw it out. Anyway, yeah, but uh, but obviously our uh, <laughs> things done changed um, a little bit since then. Yeah, uh, it's true. We're, we're adults now, but not only that, you know, our, 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 I mean, our question mark, our, we're adults now. Um, we are adults now. It's true. It's a fact. We were we were talking this weekend about, you know, how different even just purchasing marijuana is now. I mean, I lived in California for a little while where uh, and I got, got, um, got a card and was able to go into a store and buy weed, which was a mind blowing thing to me at the time. And it's still pretty mind blowing, but you were telling me too, about some, uh, crazy situations down in DC too, of how to, how to avoid the loophole or, or navigate the loopholes of semi legal marijuana down there too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is, I mean, it is, um, it is definitely one of the things that uh, has made obviously like tremendous uh, legal progress during our lifetime. Um, yeah. 
and uh, you know, California, you know, I've been to a couple states recently where it's recreationally legal as well. So as a tourist, you can just go into a store and purchase something. And in DC, there are, um, there are some really interesting, there's a really interesting law on the books pertaining to marijuana use in DC, primarily one that uh, was aimed to decriminalize the possession of marijuana to, you know, for, for a number of different reasons to kind of remove that from the palette of, you know, potential abuse by police officers and, and other ways in which, you know, people are kind of getting caught up in the system because of something minor. Um, and so you can possess up to two ounces. You can uh, grow three plants if you are a resident in D.C., there's a medical marijuana program that is non-restrictive with respect to the non-restrictive with respect to the um, condition that you have. Uh, and then so and then there's this interesting thing about how like you're not allowed to sell it, right? But you're allowed to gift it. And uh, obviously, because of that, um, various kinds of businesses have popped up in and around Washington, D.C. or around like, OK, well, how do we know exactly like, you know, because laws are kind of vague, right? Like not every specific condition is uh, accounted for. So w the recent state of the art has been that there are various like through social media uh, organized kind of pop-up events where you go and you make a donation uh, to someone who is there in the capacity of like, you know, uh, they're participating in this event and you make a donation and in exchange for making a donation, uh, you know, you get a free gift and that free gift is essentially, you know, any denomination of various forms of THC that you that you might desire to to acquire. So it's really interesting because right after this law came out in D.C., some people tried some other things like there was a guy who was rolling around town in a fully wrapped SUV like <laughs> and he would just like pull over downtown and be like, hey, donate five dollars to me and I'll give you like this edible like on the street or whatever. And that got shut down pretty quickly. Then there was an art gallery where you would go into an art gallery and you would um, sort of bid on uh, art on the wall. And then in and then on your way out, like you could get a free gift along with that, too, along with your piece of art. So it's very interesting to see kind of, you know, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit that captures people who are close <laughs> to this is kind of amazing, right? Because, um, you know, it raises a lot of interesting questions about, about, you know, what the laws, what the laws should be with respect to, you know, the, the, the mores and social attitudes of like the people in the community. Right. So like, you know, it's, it's pretty clearly something that in Washington, DC, like, the residents there to an overwhelming degree are okay with this kind of uh, are okay with recreational marijuana possession and use. Right. And to kind of see how the law and commerce like official above board commerce catches up with these laws is really interesting and kind of highlight highlights like, you know, that this is really like, 
you know, most of the time, this is really like how stuff works, right? Like these are like how markets, you know, kind of come together, right? Because there's just not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of anything official really happening, right? In terms of like medical in DC, you know, there, there's dispensaries and it's kind of like works in, in the ways that it works in other places, you know, in a place where it's legal to possess two ounces, it's legal to grow, it's legal to, you know, so it's legal to have it, it's legal to use it, it's legal to, you know, exchange it except for, for money, like what really should the limit be? So, you know, social media and all of these social media kind of primarily, I would say, enables people to kind of experiment with things on this like small scale. Like, okay, what would happen if we do it once? Oh, well, that went really well. Like what happened if we did it, you know, every week, you know? So, um, that's the kind of, that's the current situation here. You can pretty easily just like find places to go and check the scene out. Yeah, it's it's, it's I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's been a bunch of interesting uh, podcasts and other writing about like now that um, after Attorney General Sessions like reinstated those like maximum or is trying to reinstate the maximum fines or maximum uh, penalties for possession and things like that uh, or drug drug charges. There's a really interesting on the media, which is a great podcast that everyone should listen to about the war on drugs and talking about how like marijuana for a really long time in the early 20th century was like not it was just kind of a thing just like a lot of other drugs that were kind of on the fringes and they were around but people they weren't criminalized in the way that they are now and a lot of the criminalization came from as a tool for basically anti-immigration and anti basically minority policies in all these different communities and in, in the federal government. And so it's just kind of crazy to see what our administration is doing now around this, but like how blatantly obvious that seems to be, uh, those connections seem to be and how like it really has nothing to do with like the fact that weed is a drug that gets you high or anything. It's really about like how we can we use this tool of a subculture to, or, uh, how can we use this thing that a subculture is into to, used as a tool to, you know, criminalize people or things that we, that we don't want in our, in our quote unquote society. Right. And so it's, it's crazy now that like, it seems so like, you know, in our, in our teenage years, we were, you know, we lived under white privilege. So getting busted probably wasn't even that big a deal, but like, there was still that fear, you know, we were like finding spots and doing all this stuff and trying to hide in plain sight a little bit. Um, but now that it's, there's so many places that it's like public and easy or like sort of like these loopholes, like you're talking about, it's just kind of crazy how polarized and how different like that world is. That seems so obvious and simple. Like we're doing this thing. It's not bothering anyone. Like, why is this such a big deal versus like this, like opposite, like basically how could you still be a think that this is, you could be opposed to this. How is this actually like a thing that, that is, you can see as actually bad when it it seems so clear among in all these communities that it's it's a it's generally a positive thing you know um marijuana specifically i mean there's like um yeah it's great i mean like i feel like there's going to be a turning point sometime soon where like basically these 
big alcohol or big tobacco, whatever companies are just going to invest a ton of money in marijuana and realize how much money they can make off of it. And they'll be like, oh yeah, we should totally legalize marijuana. Cause in the end of the day, it's, it's probably all going to be about, about the dollars and cents, right? Not to be too Yeah. Cynical. Well, no, I mean, it definitely is though. I mean, that's, you know, that's definitely the driving force. That's what gets things changed. I mean, it's really, um, in you know it, it's it's interesting to see kind of how it's coalescing across the country in different ways though um but generally i think that the way that it's becoming legal in most places is you know is pretty disappointing for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons right like they're um you know, you change the law, make something legal, but, you know, you still have like asshole sessions talking about how he wants to throw people in jail. And then there's still all these people who are rotting in jail because of um, sentences related to it. Com- sentences aren't getting commuted. People aren't getting left out of people aren't getting let out of jail. A lot of the economic opportunity that comes out of this goes to people that have money already and that were the ones that put, put money in to change the law. So it's really interesting. It's it's uh, it's it, it definitely um, it definitely sucks to think that um, it will take a long time to filter down um, to the everyday person in terms of what the positive impact of it will be. I mean, you know, there is the, if you can really, you know, remove, if we can really remove these drugs or, you know, not reverse, you know, mandatory minimum sentencing and all that kind of bullshit, um, then, or keep it off the books, then it's a different story. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's the social attitudes toward it, um, are, I think really complicated and, you know, not to sound, you know, obviously like think about alcohol, think about tobacco, think about caffeine, think about all of these things that are in various forms, you know, uh, mind altering or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it always, it always amuses me when people aren't ready to admit how arbitrary uh these things are right you know like it's just like yeah i mean sure but like you know we're so socially conditioned that's just what humans are and how human that's just like how human thoughts are formed you know it's so hard to not be that way like someone tells you your whole life that something's bad and dangerous then you're gonna think it's bad and dangerous you know and like uh I can tell you it a million times, but you know, it, it can be really hard, I think, to, uh, to see through that. But anyway, definitely interesting to think about it and what's happening socially. And, you know, the internet makes really things really like hard. It's hard to stop things when the internet's around. You know, <laughs> yeah. apps. It's all about apps. Just blame apps. You know? <laughs> they should just make, they should just make apps illegal instead of making weed illegal. Just legalize all drugs and make apps illegal. And then you know, no one would do drugs. Cause how would they even talk to each other without apps? I solved the problem. Done. We just had to, maybe one of the reasons why Trump got elected was because we weren't podcasting enough. You know, <laughs> just like we, this That's is like where all the oh no yeah oh man I'm going uh, to take some responsibility for okay. that for sure. Shitty. Yeah, I mean it is kind of crazy. Like you know, as adults to look back and we all the stupid things and ridiculous things we did. But every generation has their own stupid and ridiculous things, as we've talked about in the past too. But like the it's all about yeah these societal attitudes and all of that but it's 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 just kind of crazy like how how hard i mean it's not crazy it's just 
I guess the truth, how hard it is to change some of these things over time, even though, um, even though, even though we we live in little bubbles where it feels like things are shifting, I'm sure we're, there's, there's a lot outside that we're not seeing too. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there are, um, there are other analogous things that, you know, whatever, like the whole, the opioid crisis is like an, is an interesting, uh, counterpoint, right. Where like, you've got all these people that are like, yo, this shit should really not be available. Right. Like it makes people into zombies, like stop selling these drugs on the market. Like all of these pharmaceutical companies are making it impossible to make that illegal. Right. And like all of these like scientists are like, this should be illegal. Right. And so like the forces at play, it's very overwhelming uh, to just to like consider your position relative to all of these things that are really a little bit out of your control, which is kind of what I think is like a liberating and inspiring thing about scenes forming in, you know, maybe there is the maybe there is like a lesson to be learned from what's happening in Washington, D.C. to like what other communities can do. Right. To like do the to recognize that it's not about crafting like the perfect law, but like the right law in combination with the right, you know, policing with the right people there. Like, I don't think there should be any policing, but I know that's not going to happen. But I'm just saying the right there can be harmony. There can be harmony between the laws, the people that enforce the law, the government that writes the law, the people that live in the place like that can happen to an extent where, okay, people who want to exchange this can exchange it. We're not going to knock down people's doors and shoot them if they, you know, do this shit. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a lesson there. Maybe, maybe, maybe there isn't. I think the lesson is fuck capitalism. Right? Yeah. That's well, clearly, well, clearly. <laughs> right. But maybe there's a bubble. Maybe, maybe this is just a bubble and it'll burst soon. Yeah. But I think it's actually sociologically like and socioeconomically too, like a pretty, a pretty interesting thing. Cause this isn't like a scene that's dominated by these bigger business interests. It's a lot of younger people who are just trying to like do get their hustle. This is like their hustle. This is right. like the thing that they're doing. That's the case until there are like big businesses basically who are doing this. Cause you know, like, I mean, not that it's, it's going to, basically the only reason that there aren't is because the federal government is limiting them from happening, you know, like that, the, the big, big marijuana businesses, like, you know, like not, and not even through like actual, like they can't exist, just like simple stuff. Like you were saying, just making it hard, you know, like even like when we were, I was in Denver doing like the, the, at a shop, like they have to go through all these loopholes just to accept money. Like they can't just take credit cards. Oh, right. They you know? can't take credit yeah. cards. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. simple yep. things like that, that make, that make scaling this type of stuff really hard, but that's why they need fucking dog coin, bro. That's what it's all about. <laughs> fucking, I'm converting Obviously. all my, I'm converting all my liquid assets to dog coin. <laughs> How soon do you think it's going to be before like, uh, there's like a divorce case and like reason. Why do you want to get divorced? My husband exchanged all my assets for dog coin. <laughs> So I had to I'd be surprised him. if that hadn't happened already, actually. Yeah, yeah, but I don't want my alimony in Dogecoin, though. I want it. I want my alimony in actual coin, Rick real coins. 
physical coins. Um, meat, meat coins. There's there's a ton more to say on this, obviously, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, end it there. We're trying to keep it short for y'all tonight. Yeah. Um, but um, we have more stories. Uh, maybe we'll do like a maybe we'll do like a <laughs> weed episode part two. <laughs> Sandwiches part cool, three. <laughs> Sandwiches part three, weed part two. I had a cool thing happen to me just now where like I ended up stopping at this guy's house on the way home from a thrift store to see if he was like selling any records. And it turns out like he he's robbed like a couple banks and has broken out of jail a couple times. So I have like a really cool story about that. <laughs> and he used to live around and he lived around the corner for me for a little while. And his uncle was Gene Ammons. But that'll have to be a different story for a different wow. time. So. Uh, I know. Yo, yo shit, shit that happens. Yo. <laughs> yeah, what, what can I say? So um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can find us at, as always, at BeatsRideTypes.com, Twitter.com slash BeatsRideTypes, Facebook.com slash BeatsRideTypes, um, all that bullshit. Yo, we have a pizza campaign. It's popping right now. Yeah. Pizza. Shout, shout out to the... Um, Shout out to uh, Alicia and Tom who are making it happen. Eberhard um, Smith, yeah, and also Eberhard uh, Smith. And there's videos coming very soon, which is exciting. Next week will be the first video. You guys will see. Yeah, look out for contests, pizza prize packs. Keep it real. Um, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, what any, any other parting words? I would say go take a hit off that vape. Listen to or however, and listen to the yeah. entire Quasimodo album front to back. Also the. Also, um, yeah, that's Cypress how you can Hill, spend Black that Sunday this weekend. Also, yeah. Also, uh, you know, like eight other house, but yeah, the chronic, also the Dr. Dre, the chronic Dr. Dre. Also <laughs> the Pink Floyd animals also. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. True. Peace. True. Brain jams. We'll let li- we'll brain, brain jams. Yeah. All right. You make Peace. Cheese Later. Everyone. Be my main boo. That's simple, huh? Nothing's everything. Money. 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 Not enough bread. I'm taking care of a business. Like they say, green is business. business. They say, oh, boss, green in a funny way. way. Comes all the way in the circle is what I mean. It all starts and finishes with green. green.